Welcome to the Cycling in Alignment podcast, an examination of cycling as a practice and dialogue about the integration of sport and right relationship to your life. Cycling in Alignment audience. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to do a little bit of a left turn. Con Sonar Crazy Ivan. I'm going to take an idea that was given to me by a colleague, a couple of coaching colleagues, and expand on it. A few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I heard a podcast on the Fast Cat podcast channel. That's Frank Overton and Jackson Long. And they did something I thought was quite creative and interesting. Jackson read a meditation for cyclists while they're riding the bike. And I listened to it. I wasn't riding at the time. I was gardening, actually, moving stones. But I thought it was a really interesting idea. And immediately I had the instinct, the intuition that I should do one of my own and expand on it for for listeners, for my audience. And so I want to say thanks to Frank and Jackson for coming up with this idea because it definitely inspired me to bring my own little twist on this theme. The reason it resonated with me so much is because I frequently ride by myself. Of course, in 2020, a lot of people are riding by themselves. So it's given us a chance for internal reflection and a chance to connect with a bike in a different way, maybe, especially if you're a person who kind of tends to always race or do group rides or even do your easy rides with your buddies. And depending on how extroverted or introverted you are, that may be a really big struggle or it may be a really wonderful opportunity for you to re-energize because introverted people gain energy when they look inwards and spend time by themselves. They're kind of classically, they're drained by being in interaction with others. And extroverts are sort of the opposite of that paradigm. And I think all of us probably have some introvert and some extrovert in us. In general, it's it's not a very broad brush but we also have probably a tendency towards one, one paradigm or the other, one archetype or the other. So meditation can take many different forms. Meditation can be what most of us think of when we think of meditation is a very still practice. Probably sitting with your legs crossed, spine straight, eyes closed, and zend out. And thinking about one single thing or no thing. I am no one. I am no time. I am no place. I am no thing. That's one form of meditation. We can also practice a moving meditation. And in my experience, for in particular for athletically minded people, people who grew up in the Western world will say, a moving meditation might be more digestible especially if you are beginning a meditation practice. You've not adopted one into your life at this point. If you're used to riding your bike for five hours a day, many days a week for many years of your life, sitting in one place for an hour or two might be an incredible challenge or even for 20 minutes. That said, there are people who have done it, including my brother Jeremy who loaned me this amazing instrument. This is a hand pan, by the way, in case you were wondering. I'm going to use this to help give a rhythm to today's meditation. Jeremy and his wife, Heather, 
are former professional racers and they chose to adopt daily practice of meditation of one hour and they did it for an entire year. These two are elite athletes. So if they can do it, that means you can do it. That said, I think that it can be useful for us to think about moving meditation as like a gateway drug, a, a way to step into a meditative practice. And maybe it grows and develops into different ways. And if you do it for a while, then you are inspired to explore other paths of meditation. In my experience, working with different clients and different personality types, some athletes will start meditation and immediately dive very deeply into it. They just embrace it. it they, it's something their soul has been craving or hungers for. Other athletes really struggle to get that practice kindled or ignited. Why is that? Well, maybe it's the form that they chose or the, the specific type they practiced with wasn't the best resonance for them. There's a lot of individuality in how you're going to react to a different meditative practice. So we're going to put some resources at the end of this pod. I'll briefly go over them and then we'll drop some links in the show notes. So if you're interested in trying different types of meditation, I've got some really good directions to send you in some, some seeds to plant, and then we can let things flower and grow. So when we think about our still meditation, as I said, that can be, that can take many forms. It can be eyes closed, focusing on something internal, focusing, trying to empty the mind. That one is perhaps one of the more challenging for many people. You can also use a still meditation, for example, by focusing on an object in the visual field. Uh, a good one is a burning candle. Another one is a star. Sometimes at night, I'll go outside and stare at a single star. I would invite you to try this. If you stare at a single star for 10 minutes, you can have some pretty crazy experiences. Well, I do anyway. Be surprised at what you can get out of it. So... If you have a practice, maybe you've not thought about meditating on the bike. We probably don't think of it that way conventionally. The bike is a place where you do work, you do yang, you smash the intervals and do the things and make the watts. That's okay. We don't always have to treat the bike that way. And perhaps by entering a meditative state while we're riding, we might start to think about the bike in different terminology, frame it in a different way in our mind. Some suggestions for this practice. This is intended for you to do while you're riding the bike. That said, I've got to get a few things out of the way. First of all, we'd prefer ideally for you to pick flat or mostly flat terrain, terrain that is not obfuscated with a lot of things like stoplights and potholes and people, not a busy bike path, not a lot of turns, not a lot of rolling hills. And the second point that directly stems from that is no matter where you are in this meditative process, you need to understand that you are responsible for and obligated to always keep a direct awareness of your environment. Just because you're zenned out and thinking about your pedal stroke doesn't give you license to ignore cars that turn in front of you, dogs, cats, ice, sand, potholes, small children, flying objects, whatever else you might encounter on the bike. So we're here to be aware. You've got to accept the fact that during cycling, we need to have our reticular activating system on, which is a low-level alert for threat. We want to dial that down to the absolute minimum. That's part of the idea, but it still needs to be on. That channel is on and active. To that end, let's have a discussion about headphones. Some people feel that riding with headphones is unsafe. 
the argument I've been given in this discussion most of the time is that they people want writers want to have a higher level of auditory acuity acuity so that they can hear cars approaching them. To me, this argument doesn't really make that much sense, and I'll explain why. And I'm definitely open to discussion on this. But if you're riding on a road by yourself with two headphones in, or well, let's say with headphones out, and you're hearing traffic noise, in my mind, there are three logical outcomes for how this could play out. One is there's a car that's driving the speed limit and approaching you from behind, and it's going to hit you. The second scenario is the car is traveling at the speed limit and it's approaching you from behind and it's not going to hit you. In my thought experiment, these two cars sound identical. You're not going to hear the difference because a car that's moving in your direct path won't be any more, won't make any different sound than one that's going to be three feet to the left. The second problem is that even if you heard a noise, wait, let me rewind. The third probability is that someone is about to hit you and they do something with a car that tells you this. They hit the brakes or they make an abrupt turn or they're just going incredibly fast and that gives you, that makes the hair on your, on the back of your neck stand up or gives you a, a feeling of unease. How are you going to react to that? This is assuming you don't have a mirror so you're not looking and you don't have time to turn your head around. You're not going to have time to turn around and look. So if that's the case, Let's say that the car is out of control because someone made a mistake and they're heading towards you. Are they going to hit you square on or are they going is are you going to hit by the left side of their car because they've turned hard enough to the right to where they're basically headed for the ditch but they're still going to clip you or are they almost barely going to hit you with the right side of the car because they are not going to pass you with sufficient room. Well, if you heard that car coming and you heard the brakes lock up even if you had a chance to react, would you choose to ride into the ditch or into the road? You basically have a 50-50 chance of getting of picking the right or wrong choice. So I would argue that hearing a car that's locking up its brakes coming at you won't really get it get you anywhere. Now, counterpoint to that is that if you have more information about the situation, you may be able to craft a deeper intuition as to what to do and how to react. If you're really plugged in and you're doing your meditation, you're tapped into the field, we'll say, you've got a strong instinct for what's coming, even though you can't necessarily pinpoint it, sort of a dark fuzzy cloud, then you might argue that having more auditory information will help you refine that instinct. I don't know if I buy that. I kind of think those things go beyond hearing in the moment. I think you would already feel that energy. And I've had multiple instances in my cycling experiences where I've had that exact paradigm play out. I felt like a dark cloud over my head. And in retrospect, I see clearly what was happening in the moment. I couldn't quite figure it out until it happened. And then I crashed and broke bones or saw someone else get hit by a car. This has happened to me a few times. Yeah. So it's a little, it is what it is. I consider it a way for me to be tapped in and understanding of what's happening. And now that I've had those experiences, if I have them again, hopefully I can take pause for a moment and think about what the choices we're making are and avoid someone's injury or my own. I don't really like breaking bones. I prefer to keep them intact. So another option would be you could consider using a headphone like the Aftershocks, which is a, it's a headphone that doesn't actually put anything in your ear hole or your auditory meatus. I love it when I get a chance to use that term. It 
uses a conductive technology that touches the bone behind your ear, and then you're able to hear sound, but your ears are unplugged. That's one option. I don't, I ride with headphones pretty frequently myself for the reasons I've just disclosed. And also I don't ride in traffic that often. Uh, most of my roads are on gravel or very lightly driven roads, ideally, or straight up in the mountains on trails, a lot of single track. That's what I'm on. So for what it's worth, if you're uncomfortable riding the bike with both headphones in, one option is you could use aftershocks. Another would be you put one headphone in and leave the other out. And I would suggest if that's acceptable to you, you leave the right headphone in and leave the left one out. That's the traffic side. Then if you feel like that hearing that traffic noise is important to you and it's going to help you feel a little safer, then that's a possible solution. The other solution is do this meditation on the rollers or the trainer. Winter is coming in most parts of the country, except for those of you who live in San Diego or Tucson or Florida. And so you might, you might practice this indoors. And once you do it a few times and you get the idea, you might establish a rhythm and then be able to walk yourself through the meditation while you're riding outdoors. Some suggestions. Another point, during this meditative practice, ideally, I would like you to try to breathe nasally. This means thinking about the breath as a box. Side one is the inhale. Side two is the hold at the top of the breath. Side three is the exhale. And side four of the box would be the hold at the bottom of the breath. For this exercise, we would use a count of four, zero, four, zero, meaning inhale count of four, exhale, uh, hold at the top is zero seconds. So we're just gonna go straight from inhale to exhale. Exhale is four seconds. And then at the bottom, we're also not going to hold. We're gonna go straight from exhale back into your inhale. So that would sound something like this. If you feel that you are unable to breathe nasally during your riding practice, a way to regress this exercise would be to inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth. If you feel like it's too much to do that, that's a way to kind of provide some relief. If that doesn't work, or maybe you make it partway through the meditation on inhale, exhale, nasal, and then you progress to exhale through the mouth, then you feel like it's too much pressure. You're feeling low on O2, or we do not want anyone to get lightheaded. Do not pass out, obviously. Not the objective. What we're trying to do is get a nice, easy rhythm. And if that rhythm becomes challenging and you're distracted from the the cues I'm giving you or the process of the meditation because you're really focusing on the breath, you feel like you're a little out of breath, then that's a clue that you should probably lighten up and regress the exercise either to mouth exhale or to inhale and exhale through the mouth and work on it. Consider to practice. For what it's worth, why would we nasally breathe? Well, simply put, mouth breathing upregulates sympathetic nervous system activity. Nasal breathing downregulates sympathetic breathing activity and upregulates parasympathetic. So that's our first choice for this type of ride. If you haven't explored that yet, also leave a great resource to try some off the bike breathing exercises in the show notes. It's called Soma Breath. They've got a free intro course that I think is seven days and it's like 10 or 15 minutes a day and it teaches you a lot of really good basics. So there's a little seed planted on that into another world of breath. 
And if you aren't working with your breath and you're an endurance athlete, you are missing a major stone to unturn. I'll just let you know on that. If you have a breathing pattern dysfunction, you have a core dysfunction. And if you don't have core strength, how are you going to ride a bike fast? We're actually going to re release two files on the same day. One will be the complete podcast recording, including everything I just spoke about and the meditation for on the bike. We're also going to release a separate file, which will be a much shorter show, which will basically only be the on the bike meditation. The reason for that is I don't expect you or ask you to listen to the intro and all the other ramblings I just made every time if you want to practice this on bike meditation. We'll give you a separate file for that and you can keep that and use it a few times if you'd like to practice it. Hopefully people find that useful and interesting. If you do end up using this on the bike, please give me some feedback and let me know. If you think that on the bike meditation can be improved or you'd like to see some other aspects included, send me some feedback because I'd be happy to do some more of these if people find them to be really useful. One last note. During this meditation practice, while you're riding on the bike, I'm going to make a little suggestion. Take a small piece of electrical tape. Use it to cover the power and heart rate numbers on your head unit while you're riding. Record, but do not observe. We don't need to watch power or heart rate when we're doing this kind of activity. We're here to do other things. So it's fine to record it and put it in your... In your training load assessments and your software you're using, whether that's training peaks or today's plan or golden cheetah or whatever you're on board with. But for today, we don't need to see the digits. So with that, let's begin. I'll walk us through our meditation. I'm going to do a gentle rhythm on the hand pan. Start by focusing on your breath. In through the nose with a count of four. Four pedal strokes, inhale, four pedal strokes out, exhale. If that pace is too quick, you can count four pedal strokes on one leg for each inhale and exhale. It'll depend a little bit on your cadence, but the important part is to find a rhythm that works for you. Feel the pressure on your hands as they grip the bars. Do you have even pressure on the left and right hands?
what is the texture of the hoods or tape? Do you feel the texture of the asphalt, pavement, or dirt coming through the bars and into your hands? pressure of your feet on the pedals. On each pedal stroke, try to feel the foot as a perfect tripod. Three points of contact. the center of the heel, under the ball of the foot, and under the ball of the pinky toe. Drive the pedals with large, smooth circles. strength originating from the hips visualize power coming from your center your dantian just below your belly button, deep in the core. This is the center of your creative energy, your drive, your will. desire to make the bike express your strength Turn to the breath. Inhale to the count of four. Exhale to the count of four. Feel the lungs inflate. The belly 
inhale. Feel the spine extend on each exhale. Extension through the crown of the head. sensation of work in your legs. What do you feel? Are your legs burning? Do you feel tension in the muscles? Observe sensations of supple, smooth muscle action. Are you choosing to assign value to the sensations you feel? burning good? Is burning bad in the muscles? Observe your reaction.
feel the strength that the atmosphere gives you to help you propel the bike. Return to the rhythm of your breath. the rhythm, just return to it. You are here to observe, not to judge. When your lungs burn, hard efforts on the bike. Do you see that burning as good or bad? Or do you simply feel value. Now, turn your attention to external sensations. Feel the texture of the road as it engages your tires. Can you feel small undulations in the pavement? Can you feel the grain of the asphalt gripping your tires?
return focus to the breath. Exhale to the count of four. Inhale to the count of four. Do you hear the sounds of nature? Cycling is about connection with nature. Do you hear birdsong? Dogs? Water? Wind? What other natural sounds part of your conscious experience. Observe the color of the road. color of the land as you pass by. Buildings, grass, dirt, trees. Notice the quality of the light. the light filtered by the atmosphere or translucent? Notice the color of the sky. Look at the road front of you and observe the road as it meets the horizon, the point where land and sky are joined. How far away can you see? closest to the horizon, farthest from you. What is the point closest 
to your front wheel. Look at the road surface directly in front of your tire. See the speed at which you travel over the earth. Turn to the breath. Count of four for each exhale. self, connection with body, coherence of body and mind. hope you enjoyed that one take had a few rhythm interruptions there still learning the handpan thank you jeremy for the opportunity to play with this magnificent instrument i love this thing so much fun i use this instrument at home to engage in what paul check would refer to as unbound play unbound play is an important part of being alive. It's an important part of being a human or an animal. Dogs practice unbound play when they chase their balls. Cats, when they randomly run around the house, beep beeps it banging as we refer to it. Play with a ball of yarn or, or a bottle cap on the hardwood floor. That is play that doesn't have 
an end goal in mind. It's not an objective. There's no end result. There's no magnificent museum painting you're going to sell for a million euros. It's just play in and of itself. And if the product of that play ends up falling over or being destroyed or having coffee spilled on it, that's okay. When you use a musical instrument to make unbound play, it just escapes into the universe and hopefully makes people happy. I hope that you found that meditative exercise useful. And I hope that my slightly broken rhythm at times didn't distract you from the practice. It was designed to give us some sense of pacing, but also ultimately a meditative practice when taken to the highest form should be able to take place in almost any environment. That is, it's easy to be a monk when you lock yourself in a cave and it's very easy to have a spiritual practice and never be upset or not be reactive when you hunt salmon out of a river and live on a mountainside by yourself. If you want to really develop some spiritual robustness, that's a terrible word, spiritual foundation, a foundation of spiritual practice, which involves letting go and being less reactive, less judgmental about yourself and others. The best place to do that is amongst the people, all the reactive people, all the noisy people, all the people that upset you and piss you off because there's your chance to not be reactive. So thanks listeners. If you enjoyed today's podcast or you thought it was total crap, either way, I'd like to hear from you. Cycling in alignment at fastlabs.com. Don't forget to check out my website, colbypierce.com. Got all kinds of goofy pictures on there. It's a constant work in progress. Updating is a thing that happens. I have been getting some great feedback from my listeners. And again, I really appreciate all your input. Uh, I've had some, some questions that have challenged some of my thought processes recently. And that's one of the reasons I do this. So don't be shy. If you think that I said something poorly or totally wrong, hit me. I'd love to discuss it. I'm accruing enough of these to where at some point I will do a Q&A and I'll talk about some of the questions I've received or the comments I've had, and then we'll go through it. Maybe I'll get Chris to come and help me out with that because he's good at that kind of stuff. Chris Case, the man. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day and enjoy riding your bike. Thank you for listening to the Cycling in Alignment podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you have some feedback about the show, you can email me at cyclinginalignment at fastlabs.com. That's all just like it sounds. Cyclinginalignment at fastlabs.com. We will also put the link to this email in the show notes and some links to some socials in case you want to hit us up there. We appreciate your positive feedback if you like the show. If you didn't like it, well, that's okay. And let me know about that too. Listen up, monkeys. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the guest or me. They do not represent Fast Labs, Fast Talk, Chris Case, Trevor Connor, Santa Claus, or anyone else. Thanks. Have a good day.